0: To brand agony, I'm Alan Black. Every episode, we use the soothing power of stronger language to solve a problem for a troubled marketing professional. Today, we're talking about UX copywriting, or to put it another way, should you optimise every last word on your website for user experience? And where does the brand fit into all of this? To answer this thorniest of questions, I'm joined by a tag team of micro copy maestros. You try saying that. Black adds Chris Tapley. Hi, Al. And Ellen Selby. Hello. Hello both. So, on to this week's letter, which comes from Surrender in London. Dear Blackhat, I work for a challenger bank. We're launching a new website and our new mobile banking app. The development team has added lots of functional copy around things like form validation, call to action buttons and search bars. The problem is none of it is really in the brand voice we've used the rest of the site. I can't help thinking it could work harder. How far should we go to add the flourishing touches of brand voice in these places? Yours, baffled by brand buttons, surrender. So thanks for your letter, surrender. This is a great question. Brand, voice and usability are both really important in delivering a great customer experience. And finding the balance between the two can be really hard. As always, we're going to tackle the situation in three steps. Diagnosis, treatment and staying healthy. muffled, muffled sort of like laughter there, I think uh, from one of you. can't tell who um, i I've stopped you know describing that clip now, um, it either either unsettles you or it doesn't um, it needs no introduction. yeah, so uh, l- let's think about the diagnosis room then um Chris, I kind of feel this is going to be one where there's not a single answer to this that applies across every brand and every circumstance, but what do you reckon are kind of some of the key? if you like, symptoms that we should be watching out for those kind of key considerations that Surrender should be thinking about when it comes to UX copywriting balancing up with brand?
1: Yeah, I think you're right. There's there's a few different ways to look at this. Um, it's probably useful to kind of define UX copywriting for anyone who's maybe not familiar with it to start with. I think U- UX is short for user experience and UX copywriting relates mostly to small bits of, sort of like micro copy that set on, buttons or in apps or in search bars the little kind of instructional bits of text that ease your journey around the website or app even though you probably don't even notice that they're there
0: yeah and there is a there is a real school of thought around about this which is you kind of shouldn't notice it it should be so fabulously well thought through that it's just kind of invisible um we're going mm-hmm. to get back to that thought later but um just so that our our listeners are are kind of clear about what we mean um it, it sounds like it's this decision about a button having a label on it that might say "login" as opposed to account access or maybe sign up versus register um or, or it could be um the example text um that you, you get in, a, in an input field, like a search box or something like that, or an email box to show you what we're expecting uh, you to, to put in there so that you've got some something to start with. Or it could be things like heading in the page. It could be a pop-up help copy. It, it's kind of that stuff. It, it, does that sound right?
1: Yeah, that's right. And I think those are all fairly traditional examples. what Surrender seems to be questioning here is if we can push that language to work a little bit harder to support all the hard work that they've put in mm-hmm. on the brand voice which is a great instinct, I think. The first thing that she probably wants to do is to speak to the dev team about how they've added these bits of copy that she mentions are in there. You know, have they put these into, have they put any thought into these? Or, or are they just placeholders? Because it's quite often the latter. These little bits of copy are kind of forgotten about Well, everyone focuses on the big headlines and the, the main copy, the, the sort of messaging Um and these kind of placeholders have been put in throughout the process of developing an app or building the website end up sneaking their way into the, the finished piece. So she probably wants to check how they've arrived at those to begin with, I think.
0: Yeah, and and I would I would second that thought. We we've worked on quite a few big app builds in particular. There's one I'm thinking of I don't really want to say the client because we don't tend to talk about our clients on, on the on uh, brand agony, but there's one I'm thinking of where essentially it's a uh, a way for shoppers to get rewarded. They were going to keep it nice and broad. And when we looked at the original batch of, of labels and microcopy, they had all been generated by the, the dev team as just functional descriptions. And they, they served that purpose really quite well. Um, but you can't use them uh, to actually you know, place on the page. It's simply not going to work. Far too dry. And also as well, because they're functional in their own right as kind of like uh, within the context of seeing all the others, it makes complete sense. But when there, you've got a standalone bit of label content that's sitting and having to function just in front of the reader without any other context or, in, or rather than I've come to this page and there's a button, do I click this one, do I click that one? It needs to, it needs to function in its own right. There is no other context to it. So uh, that's also really important, um, that kind of idea. So um, I think we kind of agree that these are kind of you know crucial things to get right um and that they need to be looked at really closely but in a way um don't conversion rate optimization cro agencies uh, and tools um that are out there make a kind of decent dollar out of fixing and simplifying this stuff
1: yeah big time i mean i think what we're talking about here is kind of key points of conversion for your business so these buttons tend to say things like buy or apply. this is where you make your, your money. So it is important that you get it right. And that might be why this team has caught with the obvious options, just because a misleading button can kind of upset the whole process and turn away a customer who's maybe ready to convert. But you can also use uh, tools like Hotjar or Crazy Egg to tell you what users are doing. But I don't know if that's quite the point that's when getting at here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I think we probably just want to, like steer away from that as a whole other series of podcasts, I think, uh, in terms of conversion rate optimization and how you how you do that stuff. But back back to the point that as you, as you said, sort of what surrenders getting at is um is striking this difficult balance. Um I, I want to stay true to the brand voice. Um but, you know, on the other hand, um I'm tempted to go really, really boring um and go with the testing, the tested true options that i know are going to work are those ones that you mentioned and everyone knows hopefully from from like even if this is the first time that you've joined us on a on a podcast that that we're huge advocates of brand voice i think we just want to ruin that in a little bit though here and that we'd probably say use it carefully um helen what, what do you reckon should we should we be kind of cautious about this or should we just go blazing in with the brand and just you know to, to, hell with, uh, to hell with usability.
2: No, I, I think as you've said, as you both said, balance is important. And the key to unlocking that is in the name, it's user experience. So you need to make things as seamless and enjoyable as possible for, for the users. Um, and I think that's just about thinking about their expectations and what they want to see from your brand. So you don't want your website to feel like some sort of puzzle that needs to be solved. Unless you're running sudokubeast.com or something Mm, like that.
0: Excellent site, Um, yeah, yeah.
2: (laughs) But it it needs to go beyond the final conversion too. Um, You know, I'm sure we can all think of times where we've tried to fill in forms on websites and it just won't let you put your address in. Or when you open an app and there aren't any clear instructions on what you should do to actually get started, it gets really frustrating really quickly. So it's something that can damage your brand much more than not having witty text on a button, you know, you just kind of need clear instructions above anything else sometimes. Mm.
0: It's it's all really true, isn't it? It's it's mm. above it's above all it's just being helpful. Mm. And you know, that achingly on brand button label, you know, if that's going to work, you need to really, really, really understand what your brand voice is and have mm-hmm. that all locked down um it, it's very easy to i suppose supp- take a kind of a punt at what the brand voice might be and for that to just not chime with your audience if your brand voice is really well laid down i think you would have a sense of which components would you push in certain circumstances and how does the brand voice rein itself back in um mm-hmm. to be more functional um I mean, we've talked about this before, but ideas of like, things like um, if you're having to, say, give bad news to a customer or you're just trying to get them through uh, some sort of process, which is kind of what we're talking about today, it's probably, it, there, there can be some brand voice in there, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't want to be going, you know, all out with it, lit up and neon with fireworks going off in the background. You know, it, it really is a kind of a, a judgment call, I would say. And and if you get it wrong, your, your audience is just going to go elsewhere frankly get really frustrated
2: yeah totally and to be honest i think it sounds like sarinda probably has a good handle on things just due to the fact that she's already asking this question and that they're set to launch some new products um but if you can't define your brand clearly then you've really not got any business going near non-traditional bits of ux copywriting
0: Um, I I think so and it seems like this kind of gives us a really nice handle on the the main things we want to be thinking about which Mm -hmm. um, very neatly takes us into the treatment room (laughs) Chris um, now that you've uh, downed your uh, family pack of Mentos um, Mm -hmm. what do you you reckon (laughs) Surrender's treatment options are?
1: Um, I think for me, she, she probably needs to work some brand magic on parts of that UX copy, especially within the app. So that's where it can really make a big difference within that sort of confined space. Um, And I know, obviously, we're brand language consultants, so we are biased, but I think these small bits of brand copy can be when you really connect with users and and get your brand across them. Something just a little bit unexpected can suddenly draw attention to how engaged they are with what you're doing and how you're presenting that in your brand. Mm -hmm. Um, Possibly the most common example that we see sort of shared as the kind of humorous 404 page uh, <laughs> online everyone loves
0: them
2: right
0: i mean if you were to look at our you know humorous 404 page for example you know um there's something about that it's like um why have you what, what's brought you to 404 page assuming the technical bits are all lined up it's because you know the, the site doesn't contain the 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 URL that, that you, you've typed in. Um you've clicked on a dead link, that kind of thing. All you really want there is maybe a little bit of a little bit of humanity and some help to get to the right place. Um so as long as you're helping people get back to the right place and you show a little bit of humanity, I think you can bring some brand in there. I mean, I think most people like a bit of that. And um the, the apps are kind of um a great place to start seeding in those kind of those bits of humanity that kind of connect your brand to your audience which which is possibly what Surinda might might find most beneficial here
1: Yeah I think especially for Surinda given that um, she's working with a challenger bank so yeah. what do their audience want to see from them they want they want to kind of see these differences between them and the mm. big banks and there's probably lots of little ways that they can do that within the app and within the brand voice so you probably want the tone of voice to be a, a little less stiff, a little less kind of long windy and and bank-like, you know, it's going to have to be easy to read. Mm. Their users want to get away from the traditional, so there's scope to do things a little bit differently. Um, so within that sort of context of thinking about what the audience wants, it makes sense for a button that maybe you'd expect usually to say something like pay now, could say send cash or something like that. It's just a little bit more informal, a little bit less sort of uptight and bank-like, but it doesn't sacrifice the clarity
0: of the action the, the user's trying to fulfil. Yeah, and it's it's sometimes even the difference, if you think of um, you know, a, a label that you might get on a button, for example, where you are agreeing to cookies being placed or perhaps there's some data being shared or you're, you're going through some sort of banks would be a great example of this. If you're signing up online, um, which I think everybody would do now. Who's going to have banks open an account? Eh? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. If you're signing up, and they're going to need to do a verification check with you, they're probably going to use one of those kind of you know wonderful third party uh, you know, processes to do that. Whether it's the government sort of sort of tax system based one, or the, there's one that the Royal Mail slash Post Office run and Barclays run one and Expedia run one. You're going to have to like choose which one of them you want to go with. Sometimes you get given the choice, right? And then you're going to probably have to say, "I'm cool with this information being passed forward." So, um, y- you might use something as kind of flippant, flippant, and slightly off the cup as you know, "I'm cool with that" or "I'm fine with that." Um, if you're a challenger bank and you're you're kind of you know giving that permission for a, an identity service to to kind of take over and, and run the re- run the process for just a few screens, uh, but if you're the government, maybe, or you're a you're perhaps a, a bank for you know. Um, traditional customers that are maybe have lots and lots of money in deposit. I'm thinking more the kind of um, the, the the sort of traditional coots type brands um, for very wealthy people. Um, you probably wouldn't want to have a button that says "I'm fine with that." You, you want to do something a little bit uh, a little bit more um, uh, buttoned up or buttoned down. Never quite sure which. Um, something that kind of I suppose you know leans into the formality without without being too stiff. On the other hand, if you're going to go informal, something that doesn't bend the clarity. Um, what do you reckon helen
2: yeah i i would agree with all that and i don't know that i being controversial here but i prefer to keep things functional so people have a task to complete and they're looking for something to understand and i think there are certain conventions that we expect from websites now as well which kind of feeds into this um or from apps but um I think this seems especially crucial when we're talking about banks and people's finances, which is something Chris touched on a minute ago. But the last thing you want when making a payment is to be bamboozled by the process. It needs to be really clear and instructional.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, it does need to be incredibly clear. And I don't mm. think anyone is, you know, I don't think anyone. Sirinda's team would be advocating for the brand voice to be cranked right up until the dial, you know, breaks off in your hand, um, and and then it doesn't make any sense to anybody. There's definitely a sense of that word again, balance here.
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I, I worry that it can lead to confusion. There's too much brand voice in there? Um, I think like some, uh, so an everyday offline example I've been thinking about might help illustrate this. So, you know, in restaurants and pubs, they've often come up with their own also unique ways of labeling the meals. Or female toilets, mm. so you have to sort of stand there and crack the code before going in, and it's just a really needless hurdle in the experience. So sometimes it's done really well, but often not. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's sort of a good real life example of just like why does that complication need to be there?
0: Yeah, it's making it intuitive and sort of mm-hmm. avoiding people having a little accident in the kind of yes. the area just outside the loose. <laughs> um, exactly. I suppose it's also a little bit like if you go to a country where perhaps, um the the you know if you go to countries that use the cyrillic alphabet for example or you go to countries that are using different characters from the ones you're used to so you're going to i don't know um the middle east or you go to china say and you know there, there aren't there aren't any um there's no iconography to guide you um mm. you, you know, gosh what do you do um Probably, probably learn 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 some language would probably be a good a good tip um but you're completely lost it's that kind of like my goodness how do I get through here how do I un, un, un kind of ravel this um yeah. there's that kind of classic what that we would always talk about and actually somebody this morning had asked me for some um recommendations on good books to to send a colleague for coopers and I think at the end of that list of books is always Steve Krug. Krug don't make me think. Um, um, you know, even though it's not a book about copywriting, if you're writing digital stuff, th- that book should be you know in your toolkit. Um, if you have to think about it, then it's it's failed. Um, it's a bit mm. like the other example that I've I've heard, which I think is quite a good one is: Have you ever been in one of those um, really beautiful modern buildings where? There are lots of glass doors and glass walls for the meeting rooms Mm -hmm. and you go to the, you go to the, um, the handle to pull it towards you. Like it's a handle, it's not a push plate, it's a handle Mm -hmm. and you pull it and actually it doesn't pull, it's a push. Mm -hmm. You ever had that? Yeah. And
2: and everyone in the room is like looking at you. It's (laughs) like, why why don't you just take
0: the blinking handle off and make it a push plate so that there's only one way you could possibly go with it, Mm -hmm. which is push. Uh, yeah, I I'm sure. now I'm maybe there is some fabulous reason for that, but I think that's a really good example of a little a little kind of hump, a little kind of blip in the in the user, in the in the in the human being's day oh. that makes things slightly more complicated than they need to be. And mm-hmm. that's what we want to avoid. It's and that's why so many websites, so many brands just go with simple and instructional buy register, sign out, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of, you try and do something more, as you said about, you know, like Sudoku beast, more like a puzzle, it's it's a challenge that people probably don't want.
1: Yeah, yeah I think you do just need to try and avoid the, that small sort of challenge wherever you can. It, it needs to be clear. And especially another thing that you may need to think about here is the issue of accessibility. Um, mm-hmm. because as Helen touched on you know these things are they've become embedded there's conventions now you expect to see the the register button, the sign out button so if it says something completely off the wall and say someone's looking at your website with a screen reader then they're not necessarily going to understand what that button means because it's, it's so different from what they're used to seeing um, so I think you, you
0: need to really think about it before you implement these things. Yeah. I, I, and I also think there's something really great about that idea of we've got some conventions now um, and unless there's a brilliant reason for breaking with that convention, perhaps it's something like, like, hey, other banks um, would only give you this bit of information. We're going to give you a lot more. We're going to give you re- real control over consent. I'm thinking about if you were maybe um, you know, using the Open Banking API in your challenger bank to connect um, your customer's accounts with lots of different services to give them a really full view of their finances. We'd want to explain that and we want to explain it in a really simple, clear way. And there's a great opportunity there to maybe use um, language that the customer maybe hasn't seen before because they've never had to think about that before. Um, yeah. the, the other example yeah. that sometimes pops into my head is the uh, is the classic, you know, Alexander Graham Bell when, you know, his telephone system was uh, trying to get hold. Uh, his uh his greeting you had to have a greeting when people picked up the phone, and his greeting was "ahoy,"
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> favoured by Montgomery Burns and The Simpsons, <laughs> and uh the the Edison um e- equivalent um was "hello," um mm. and when you go and look at the the roots of words, "hello" is a much 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 more modern word than "hi." Um, Uh, Hmm. And it's funny, we think of hello as being Maybe, yeah, it's a weird Hmm. one Um, And It's it's something that I only discovered very recently um, To my shame Um, Hmm. It's a bit like Certain things need new words And that's fine Um, If you need a new word Or you need to stand out for some particular reason And show that something's different That's great, go ahead and do that Um, But, you know For for surrender here um, It's it feels to me like um, there's a sense that we're applying a little bit of brand language, but just doing it carefully and that it's got to be rooted in the audience's intention. And, you know, maybe it is just about that, you know, playing out the bits of difference. What, what sets us apart? Are there little things that we can highlight? Not ramming it down the reader's retinas, um, but, you know, how much how much you do of that is is the big question, which is i think what we're going to probably wrap up with when we go into um the last part which is staying healthy i will Mm -hmm. step up to the podium once more
2: magical
0: yeah it's the wind chimes that that really (laughs) set it off um Chris, uh, let's assume that Surrender decides to play it really safe. And for the most part, uh, um, you know, it's classic clean UX copy. And there's just a little bit of uh, brand focused stuff in there to to give it a little bit of lift where it helps the reader. What next?
1: Well, I think the key is probably just making sure that it works. And, hmm. and this is where you probably want to bring in some A-B testing. Yeah. So, you know, show 50% of users the simple, straightforward button and then show the other half something that's got a bit more sort of brand language um, that kind of highlights those differences from traditional bikes and then see which one has the best etc. Because at the end of the day, the numbers don't lie, and you can kind of gradually conduct these tests across all your key touch points uh, and then optimize it accordingly. So you can kind of you know, dip, dip a, a, a toe in without just going all mm. in on the brand language um, and and gradually find the best balance that works for you.
0: Good show. Um, Helen, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I
2: agree to be honest. Um, Just make sure that you're learning and adapting and, you know, don't just make assumptions and don't just set and forget. I think these little gains on the copy and conversion can make a a really big difference to the bottom line, which is ultimately how we demonstrate the value of content, right? So Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's the way forward.
0: Yeah, very true. Um, uh, Sarinda, to to try and summarize for you what we reckon is it's all about that that balance um and if we were if we we're to be forced into this it's it's probably the the balance is more towards clarity um to serve the elite reader's intent. And that brand voice can actually, brand language can also serve the reader's intent too, if you if you're able to to sneak it into the areas where it's going to help the the reader make a, a decision or or help them realise why you're different. Um, for example, if the brand's big point of difference is um what will influence the user to sign up, then you know get that get that voice in there. And if you just need to move them from one stage of your application process to the next, uh, clearly and honestly, then keep it nice and simple. Uh, reckon then uh, it's over to you to make that work on the page. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon using stronger language to cure another listener's brand agony. For more on brand language, messaging, content training, and tone of voice, it's a blackad.co.uk.